Good to be with you guys. I'm excited to be here. I'm, uh, I'm sad uh, that I had to come under these circumstances that Pastor Kerry is going through. It's a hard thing to, to have to dive through as your parents get older and, and, and working through that, but I'm excited to be here uh, with you guys. It's been a while since I've been with you. It's uh, first time at this building, and, and look at what God's doing here. Amen? God's doing some, some great things. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to come into a, see a new building and, and, and certainly to see you people, and you're all dressed up and, and fancy looking and nice. Um, most of y'all are, at least. But, but it's, it's even better when you come into a, a church, and, and you don't just feel like you're coming into a building, but you come in, in and you can experience the presence of Jesus in that building. Amen? That Jesus is here. There's a, there's a, a verse, uh, actually a story Jesus tells uh, to his disciples uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, and I won't get into all that, but when, what is said there is, 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 is this flock of people coming to this house. Jesus is healing people, doing a miraculous thing. It's where, it's where the people rip the roof open, drop their friend down. Jesus heals that, that person in the, in the room. Um, but what is said there before anything happens is it's, it says, it was heard that Jesus is in the house. And that's what brought people in. It was heard that Jesus was in the house. And so I pray over this building, over this church, that it's not heard that Pastor Carrie's here, although he is awesome. It's not, it's not that, that Joe and the worship team is here, although they're awesome. But I pray that people, as they walk by, as they drive by, and as they hear about the, the Awakening Church, I pray that they, they hear that Jesus is in the house. And that's what would draw people here. Amen? Amen. Like three of y'all got excited for that, so I'll try and... Make this a little bit, a little bit more. Some of y'all are still sleeping, so hopefully you'll get there. But I'm, 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 I'm stoked to be here. I'm happy to be here. Uh, um, I'm going to tell just a little story about where we're at. We're in Ocean Beach, uh, San Diego, and if you don't know Ocean Beach, San Diego, it's a jacked up little place, and we have a jacked up little church that's there trying to reach some, some hurting, some lost, some lonely, some, some people that are stuck in darkness. Is who our, who God has called our church to reach out to the lonely, the lost, the addicted. Most of the people that we're reaching um, are either in addiction or have been in addiction. Most of the people we're reaching are, have been in jail. Uh, are in treatment right now, uh, in and out of prison. We, we have a jacked up church, and I don't, that's a technical term for, for who we're trying to reach. They are jacked up people. Some, some of the people, just to give you an idea of what we're, we're dealing with on, a, on each and every Sunday, uh, there's, a, there's a couple named Mike and Julie who started coming to our church about six to seven months ago. And we have church on Sunday evenings. We run a Baptist church, so we don't, we don't get to do church in the morning. Why I get to be here today. Um, but we do it at 6 o'clock in the evening, and every, every third Sunday we have a meal. We open at 5 o'clock, we'll have a meal for anybody. We usually get about 100 to 150 homeless people come. Uh, some just eat the meal and, and bail, which is fine. Uh, we get to be Jesus to them for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes as they eat. We get to talk to them, try and love on them as, much, as best we can. Some people will stay after the meal, stay for the service. We get to love on them a little bit more, and then we usually never see them again. They disappear, go wherever they're going to go. But every once in a while, people will hang out, people will stay, and people will stick. Uh, OB has a huge homeless uh, population, and sometimes they'll stick around. Well, Mike and Julie are two of those people. They stuck around, and they kept coming to church, and they would be there faithfully every single Sunday. But the problem with Mike and Julie is that every time they would show up on Sunday, they were wasted. And when I say wasted, I mean wasted, like out of control. You couldn't carry a conversation on with them, but they were there every single Sunday faithfully. Uh, Julie was, was so off doing what she was doing is that as we're worshiping, she's dancing around, making a scene, which isn't too weird for OB, but she's a little bit more uh, eccentric than, than most. And as I'm up here giving the message, many times Julie would walk down the middle of the aisle and start talking to me right in the middle of the message. Usually it has nothing to do with what the message is, just trying to tell me what's going on in her day. And I'm like, no, no, Julie, not now. We'll talk with you later. Somebody would usually escort her off. But, but most of the times you would talk with Julie, you couldn't understand a word coming out of her mouth. 
They, they would start their day every day, every morning with a bottle of vodka and, and get going. That's how they started their day. So you can imagine at 6 o'clock in the evening what they looked like and what they sounded like. I, I literally never had a conversation with Julie where I could understand exactly where she was going in the conversation. It would be like, you're talking, but I have no idea where this is going. Uh, but, but they came, and they were faithfully showing up. They were always there, uh, a little messed up, but they were there. Mike was a little bit more coherent than, than Julie was, and Mike, they're both, both very tender-hearted. Uh, we called Mike Big Mike. He's about six foot four, probably 250, 260, big guy, heart of gold, just, uh, just, just opposite of what you would think he would be, uh, just real soft inside. And I always, I'd always say, Mike, Mike, there's got to be something better for you and Julie. You don't have to keep doing this. They've been homeless for five years together, for two years on, in Ocean Beach for, I think, three and a half years, always down by the pier. If you've been to Ocean Beach, always right on the beach there, but just messed up, no hope, no, no thought of ever getting better. And even as I try to explain that Jesus wants to take all this stuff from you, Mike and, and Julie, he, he wants to give you a better life. They, they would give me every excuse, every reason they couldn't get better and every reason they couldn't go anywhere. Right around Easter of this year, they came to us and they, Mike came running in the church. We opened the doors about 530 and there's usually some homeless people out front. They come get coffee. We offer a cup of noodles every Sunday to feed whoever is there. And Mike beeline straight to me and he says, Mike, or he says, Mark, t- tomorrow they're taking Julie to treatment and on Tuesday I'm leaving. And I said, this is awesome. Mike, who's taking? And he says, I have no idea. And I said, well, how are you going to get there? And he said, I have no idea. Um, but apparently this bus would come by and would talk to people down at the, at the wall and, and just pick people up and take them to treatment. He said, we're going. And so after service, we prayed for him. We laid hands on him, and we, we about 15 of us gathered around him and prayed, God, do something, do something miraculous, do something amazing, do something that, that would blow our mind. And off they went. Mike was gone, or Julie was gone Monday. Mike left Tuesday. We kept checking down by the pier for the next four weeks to see if they were there, and we didn't see him. So we knew they were gone, didn't know where they went, didn't know how they got there, had no idea if we'd ever see him again. But we kept praying, God, do something, do something, do something. Four weeks, five weeks later, I go to open the doors at 5.30, and I can tell there's, there's some steps in front of the church, and I could tell uh, by the back of their heads that it's Mike and Julie. And it kind of, my breath just kind of came up in me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, just said a quick breath. I was like, let them be okay. Let everything be fine. And Mike turned around, and the whole countenance on his face was completely different. There was something different about Mike. And then Julie turns around, and she says, hey, Pastor Mark, and she starts talking to me like she'd never talked to me before. And they were different. They were changed. Jesus came in and changed those two people. Jesus did what only Jesus could do. We prayed to the God, the miracle maker, and God, the miracle maker, did a miracle right in front of us. And I'm telling you that story because that's the kind of ministry that we are in in Ocean Beach. Those are the kind of people we're reaching. Those that, that many churches, not this church, but that many churches have written off. Many churches are even scared to let those kind of people in your church. That, who, that is who God has called us directly to. So our church, when I say our church is jacked up, you've got to understand, our church is jacked up. Our church is messy. You might come in there and be like, man, this is, this is nuts. And there's many times I come in there, I'm like, God, this is nuts. How are we going to do this? He says, well, you're not going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work through you. So that's the kind of church, that's the kind of the, the ministry that we're in. Just to give you an idea of, of where we are and what we do uh, down in Ocean Beach. And it kind of comes from my testimony. The reason that I have a heart for these kind of people is because I was those kind of people. I was lost. I was in darkness. I was addicted. I was everything you could think of. Uh, that's where I was. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later in this story. But I wanted to start off there just to let you know who we are, or really who I am and who the church that, that I'm here representing is. Uh, and I'm thankful for this church. And the, the thing is, is even as I talk about our church and how jacked up our church is, listen, Awakening Church, y'all are just as jacked up, right? There's not a person in here that's got it all together, right? In fact, if I ask who's got it all together in this church, who's going to raise your hand? None of us, right? We all are messed up a little bit. Y'all look a lot nicer. You can cover it up a little bit. You can, you can shine yourself up on a Sunday morning and look good, but on inside, we're all broken without Jesus. 
We all need help. We all need God's love and his protection in, in, in our lives. And we don't need God, to, all of us need God to come in and do something. And again, this is something we don't just see every once in a while. We see this every single Sunday. We see God moving and working in people's lives. Uh, so that's who we are. Today, what I want us to do is I want us to go into Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I think Carrie, he said that you guys did this uh, maybe a summer in the Psalm series. You guys touched on Psalm 51. And, 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 and Pastor Carrie, he's much more eloquent than I am. He's, he's much more deeply theologically rooted than I am. I'm going to come in here and do the best I can. But I think this is a good message for us to, to look at because it's something that, that hopefully will speak to you. As even was prayed before, that God would speak directly to us. That God would, that we wouldn't just hear these words on this page, but it would come alive to us. That it would convict us. That it would do something in us. That the Holy Spirit who is here with us and present today would not leave us here just being challenged by a message, but that we would leave here being changed by a message. You guys see the difference there? It's one thing to be challenged by a message, leave here going, man, I was challenged by that message. And then you leave here and you get on the 15 and somebody cuts you off and you flip them the bird. What does that challenge do for you in church? But if you leave here changed by the message, changed by the presence of Jesus here, then that could happen out there. And you can say, have a good day, brother. You guys see the difference there. You can be challenged and still act a fool, but you can be changed by the presence of Jesus here, and things start to change inside of you, and you don't act the way you once did. Maybe you guys are too refined to ever do anything like that. I'm sure here at the Awakening Church, nobody has that problem. But we're going to look at Psalm 51. And and if you're thinking, man, this guy talks really fast. Well, I talk fast when I get excited. Anytime I get to talk about Jesus, I talk really, really fast. So hold on. I think they're recording this. If you need to come back and listen to it, you can come back later and figure out all all the fine details. Uh, But Psalm 51 is a song of King David after he had screwed up in his life. And when I say screwed up, I mean screwed up, like royally screwed up. Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever screwed up in your life? Like, like you, you, you totally blew it. You did something you never thought you would do. You, you had sinned in a way that you would never have imagined your life would have gone down. And I think, I think if we were honest that all of us have been there. All of us have done something that, like that no one seems to know, or at least nobody's talking about. You, you, you did something, and then you, the, 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 the worst part is you think you got away with it. So it's bad enough that you screwed up, you sinned, you've done something to, to set yourself apart from the Lord, to set yourself over here. But the even worse part is how many of us, as if we've done that, we think we actually got away with it. Like a couple weeks go by and nobody's talking about it. But you keep waiting for it to come up. You keep waiting for it to, to come out. You keep waiting for it to come out in the open, but it never does. And you kind of sweep it under the rug thinking, man, I got away with this. Maybe this wasn't such a big deal. Well, even if you've gotten away with it, and even if nobody else knows about it, church, God knows about it. And it is a big deal. In fact, in Numbers 32, 23, it says, it says this. It says, that you, you have, I have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. You might think you've gotten away with it, but literally me and you, we've never gotten away with anything that God knows. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. How many people are scared about that verse? That's not one of those verses that's on a coffee cup that you find at your grandma's house saying, man, this is a beautiful verse. That's one of those verses you're like, man, run away from this thing, man. I don't want anything to do with that. But that's a, the truth that we need to look at here today. And this is what we're going to see in David's life. That he thought he got away with something, but he, he has shown in a crazy, miraculous way, really by the providence and by the grace of God, shown his sin so that God could out it, so that God could bring him back to him. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to stay over here apart from him on our sin. He wants to bring us home. He's constantly inviting us back to him. So quick story here. Again, I'm, I'm sure you guys know this. Most of you guys have been in church longer than I've been alive, so that's all, that's all right. You know this story. But it says this. King David was a, a, a appointed the, the, the king of Israel. 
right? Get, the, the people of Israel had appointed uh, uh, King Saul, picked by the people, but David was picked by the Lord. He says, you're my man. And King Saul messes up, and King David then steps in to, to take that place, the rightful heir. And David was killing, and David, for the most part, was a, was, a, was, a, was a man that chased after the Lord, doing all the good things. But then David gets complacent, and David, in his pride, starts to look at what he's done. Instead of seeing what the Lord had done through David, David starts to take ownership of these things, and he, and he really starts to turn everything inward. Look, how, look, look at my kingdom. Look what I've built. Look at what I've conquered. Look at all the things that I've built and I've done for the Lord. <clears throat> his power and his prestige has gotten the best of him. And he stopped leaning on the Lord, and, and instead he got proud of himself. He started leaning on his own understanding. And as he's doing this at a time when the, the Bible tells us that, that men, the king should be at war, David's on his balcony looking at everything he'd made. He sees this woman, Bathsheba, bathing. David shouldn't even be there, but she's over here, and David sees Bathsheba, and he's like, oh, my goodness. i got to have her. And David's a king, and whatever the king wants, David gets. And so he sends his men, not to know that Bathsheba is married, not to mention that not only is she married, but she's married to David's boy, Uriah, right, the, 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 the leader of the army. And David, even knowing this, he takes her, gets her pregnant, and then to, to hide that, he goes and he has Uriah killed to hide his sin, takes Bathsheba as his own, they have a child. And as David does this, he thinks he's getting away with it. And, and, and I'm sorry that the, the, all the little kids are in here today. If you've got to talk about that later today, that's, that's, that's on you. I'm sorry about that, but talk to Pastor Kerry. Send him an email on that one. But he thinks he gets away with it. He keeps looking over his shoulder, man, when's this going to come up? I killed my the, Uriah. I, I, I've had an adulterous affair with this woman, and I've hidden it. And nobody's talking about it. And he thinks he got away with it. Months go by. A year goes by, two years go by, and then a prophet named Nathan comes to David and totally jams him up. This prophet comes to him and he tells him a story. He says, there's, there's a rich man and a poor man in this town, and the poor man, he, all he's got is one lamb, and it's his prized possession. He loves this lamb. He dearly loves this lamb. In fact, he has dinner with it and his daughters, and, and they feed him right from the table. He loves, this is his prized possession. This is everything to him. And then there's a rich man who has many lambs, herds, and, and anything he could ever want. And this rich man has a, has a friend come to stay with him. And the rich man, instead of taking one of his lambs to feed the, 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 the people that have come to visit him, he takes this, this poor man's lamb, his prized possession, he takes it, and he has it slaughtered for the meal. And David is livid. He says, who would ever do this? This is crazy. This man, we're going to find this man. And he's going to pay back this other man four times what he has taken. In fact, we're going to take his head. Let me go with him. Let me find this man. And Nathan looks at David and jams him up and he says, David, you're the man. And David, in a moment of clarity, and David, in a moment of, of seeing his sin and realizing that he did not get away with it and realizing that he had sinned against God, David writes Psalm 51. And again, many of us, maybe we haven't done as much as David has, but we've done some things. And we thought we've gotten away with it. So, then, so, 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 so how do we get back to the Lord? How do we restore, get restored? How do we get back in his presence? How do we get back to, to, to being with him again? Well, that's what David wrote Psalm 51 for. So we're going to look at Psalm 51 in, in light of what David has done to see how David got back to the Lord. But even better than that, how do me and you get back there? Because we will struggle. We will sin. We will fall short. So we need to know how to get back there. I'm going to pray one more time. We've prayed a couple times in the service, but I want to pray one more time. Because this is going to be a heavy service uh, awakening church. And when I say close your eyes and pray, don't anybody go running out of here because it's a heavy sermon. Sometimes we need to hear these kinds of sermons. Amen? 
Sometimes we need God to really work in our lives. So I'm going to pray one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for this time. I thank you for this church. Holy Spirit, have your way here. Lord Jesus, do what only you can do. Lord, your presence is here, and we are thankful for that. Lord, be with Carrie. Be with his family. Well, Lord, now visit us. Let your word come alive. Let, let the words of this Bible jump off the page, Lord. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's in Jesus' beautiful, mighty, and magnificent name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So let's jump in here. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go verse for verse here uh, uh, through this. We're not going to hit all of Psalm 51. That would take us way too long. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. It might be a little different than the Bible you hold in your hands, but that's what I'm going to be reading out of. It should be very close to, to what I'm reading here. In verse 1, David starts off like this. He says, have mercy. Everybody say, have mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. So here David is pleading to the Lord. This is the prayer of David to the Lord. Now, a lot can be said here, but what I really want us to focus on in this first part here is that David does this. He does not start this prayer of confession by dealing with his sin. He doesn't run straight to the Lord with his sin, but what he does here, he starts off by throwing himself on the true character of who God is. He's, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's just, he's, he's, he has steadfast love towards me. You guys track with me here. He doesn't start with saying, this is what I've done. Instead, he runs to the true character of who God is. He's reminding himself here of who God is, this God that he's worshiping, this God he's praying to. He's reminding himself that the, that the God that I'm speaking to is merciful. He, he's gracious. He, he loves me. He's got patience towards me. And don't, shouldn't we all be reminding ourselves of that more and more, especially when we sin? That we, God we run to is not heavy-handed to us. He's not up here shaking his fist at us saying, when are you going to get your act together? But he's actually saying, just come back to me. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's loving kindness to us. So he doesn't start with his sin. Because listen, church, when me and you sin, our sin is what keeps us from the Lord. Like when I sin, I run from the Lord. I, when I sin, I try and hide from the Lord. When I sin, I try and keep myself. I distance myself. Not that God goes anywhere, that me and you go somewhere. We distance ourselves from the Lord. Sin brings separation and distance from God. And how many of us, if we were honest with ourselves here today, in our sin, how many of us, we run and, and hide from God instead of running to him? Anyone willing to admit that here today? That when I sin, I run from him. Nobody in this church is willing to admit that. That's all right. We'll deal with you. He's in, the little, in a little bit because we're going to get real here. But, but we, 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 ha- we run from our sin instead of running to, we run from God in our sin instead of running to him. And when we do this, when we run from God, we show just how weak our theology truly is. We show, we show just how much we don't understand who the God of the Bible is that we run from. him. because if we did truly know him, we would surely run to him and not run from him. Amen? If I know who God is, I'm running to him. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I see that I need him, I desperately need him, especially when I screw up. If we knew him, we would surely run to him and not run from him. We, we see this very, from, from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. The first thing they did when they sinned, what did they do? They ran and hid. How silly does that look? Well, that's what me and you look like when we sin and we try and hide from the Lord. We're not hiding from the Lord. It's like, it's like if, if you have little children especially when they're really young, and say you have some drapes, and we're playing hide-and-seek, and they go hide behind the drapes, but their shoes, their feet are sticking out the bottom of the thing. They think they are hidden. Nobody's going to find me ever. Be like, partner, you're right there. I can see your feet. 
That's what me and you look like as we hide from the Lord. He can see us. It's clear where we are. We can't truly hide from the Lord. And I pray that today, as we grow and as we mature in our Christian walk, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you and I will see through the lies of the enemy and that we will see the true nature of who God is, the God that we worship, the, the, the God that is in this Bible, that he is faithful, that he is full of grace, that he is full of mercy, that he is ready and willing to forgive us of our sins right now, church. Right now, God is willing and ready right now to deal with our sin in ways that me and you can never do. Because listen, if you and I stare at our sin long enough, right? You, if you and I will, will just constantly be looking at our sin and what we've done wrong, we will never run to the Lord. If all I'm seeing is all the things I've ever done wrong, that's what kept me from the Lord. That's, that's not what draws me to him. If we just look at the things we've done wrong, man, I'm going to need medication. I'm going to need pills. I'm going to need doctors. I'm going to need Oprah. I'm going to need Dr. Phil. I'm going to need whatever I can because I, there's, there's, there's deep soul aching pain there. If I'm just staring at my sin and everything I've ever done wrong, man, it's just going to constantly bring me down because sin can only take you to your sin, but it can never take you past it. And, I, and hear me right, I'm not saying that we never need to look at our sin. We certainly need to look at it, but let's not just stop there. Far too many of us, this is all we've done is we, we, we see our sin and we put ourselves here, but we never are able to move past it because sin can't take us past our sin. Are you guys tracking with me here? Two of y'all. Sweet, sweet. So, so let, me, let me get this a little bit further. So David here, before he gets to his sin, what David does is he, he gets low before the Lord. He humbles himself and he reminds himself of just who God is. He says, I need to humble myself. I need to go get, get low. I need to, I need to start here. I need to see who you are. I need to remind myself of who you are. He, he re, he's reminding himself of the one who could deal with his sin, and he throws himself on the true character of who God is today. And today, church, the beautiful thing is, is we can look at the cross of Jesus Christ and we can see perfectly well what the Lord wants to do with our sin. David could only see a shadow of that. He didn't have Jesus to look at. He had the promise of who Jesus is. But me and you, we can look back and we can see the cross and we can see how Jesus deals with our sins. Amen? Verse, verse 2, to, to, to clarify this a little bit more, says this. It says, wash me thoroughly. Everybody say thoroughly. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. L- listen, the, the thing is, when, when you and I come to Jesus, he washes us thoroughly. That, that place where you haven't told anybody about, that stuff that you wish would never, ever, ever, ever come out, Jesus says, I want to get in there and I want to clean that up. And how beautiful is that? How, how wonderful is that, that our God doesn't just wash us a little bit. He washes us thoroughly, white as snow. Who, who, could, who, could, who could use that reminder in their life here today? couple of y'all again. I, I like to ask questions to the church, so don't be scared. If you don't like to raise your hand in church, you came on the wrong day because I'm going to ask you a lot of questions today, and I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hands. I'm going to get you out of your comfort level. Today, 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 again, we can see fully what David is talking about here. He, we, we know the price that Jesus paid for our sins, and on Calvary's Hill, all our sins were nailed to that cross. If you have confessed Jesus with your mouth, if you believe that God raised him from the dead uh, in, in, in your heart, then you are saved, and you have been washed thoroughly of your sins. And here, David is fully committing himself to the promises of Jesus to come. And listen to me, church, only in Jesus, only in Jesus can we be washed thoroughly from our iniquity and cleansed from our sins. Nowhere else can we find this, not in self-help, not in new age nonsense, not in any other religion. Only in Jesus can you and I be washed and cleansed of our sins. Amen? Only in Jesus. First Corinthians, just to make sure we understand it. First Corinthians, Paul, Paul says it like this in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says this. It says, such were, past tense, such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit 
of our living God. You were sanctified, you were washed, and you were justified. Done by Jesus. Nothing done. You, you, these things were done to us. None of us did anything here. We were washed. We were sanctified. We were justified. And what Paul had just done here is he just laid some things out to the church. He just laid out a long list of sins that, you, that, the, that the church in Corinth was in. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous not, what will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And the crazy thing about that list is every single one of us can find ourselves there. I don't even know what a swindler is, but I'm sure at some point in my life I was a swindler because Paul says it, right? We, we can all find ourselves in this list. We're all screwed. How, how are we going to get out of this? Jesus is how we're going to get out of this. Only by the blood of Jesus. All of us, again, can find ourselves in this list, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God sent his son Jesus to come and cleanse us and to wash us and to sanctify us. We, we say but God a lot in our church. We're a but God church full of but God people with but God stories. We, what we say is that, that I was here, but God. I was doing this, but God. I was running from him, but God came, saved me, redeemed me, and rescued me, and now has me over here. Amen? It comes from Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Right? That without God, me and you were dead in our trespasses. Amen? Dead in our sin. No hope for us. No future. No life really in us. But God sent his son. And because of that, while we were yet sinners... Christ pulled us out of us, breathes his Holy Spirit into us, and gives us life, forgives us, rescues us, redeems us, and now sets us over here. And praise the Lord for that. Every single one of us in here has a but God story, some much, much further over here than others. But all of us have a but God story. And here, we see here, it's in our mess. Here, Jesus washes us. Here, Jesus sanctifies us. Here, Jesus justifies us as only he can in our mess, church. Not when we get cleaned up. As if that day's coming. Not, not when we get it all figured out. As if that day's coming. In our mess, when we were a mess, that's when he cleans us up. Here God comes. Here God moves towards us. Here God works as only he can do. Listen, church, we've got we've to understand that we don't get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. That's kept far too many people outside the church and far too many people away from the Lord. But we come to Jesus with the broken and fragmented pieces of our lives saying, man, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to turn. And that's when the Lord starts to work in us. Amen? None of us cleaned ourselves up and then came to Jesus. What kind of a crazy theology is that? We came to Jesus broken, jacked up, just a mess. And there the Lord says, now I can work with you. Now I can do these things. And again, that's what's kept far too many people from the church. They think they've got to get it all together. None of us have it all together. None of us are ever really there. It's here when we are messy, he begins to work here. He begins to wash us. That's what David is reminding himself of here. And this is what we must remind ourselves of as well, that in these times when we are confronted with our sin, that we run to the Lord. We don't run from him. If we truly knew who he was, we'd run straight to him as soon as we would sin. Verse 3 then says this. Did I skip a whole verse there? This is verse 3. Verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You ever been there? Try to forget your sin, but bam, there it is. Try and walk this way and think I can just, if I don't go back over there, I'll never see it again. But bam, there it is. Everywhere you turn, your sin is right before you, reminding you, God reminding you of what you've done. And listen to me, church. This is the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin, not condemning us. Whole other thing there. 
But this is the Spirit of God convicting us of our sin in hopes that we would drop to our knees in repentance and run back to the Lord. This is actually helpful for me and you. This is the Spirit of God working inside me and you. And this is a beautiful thing, church. In fact, this is evidence that God is working in us, that we feel conviction when we sin, when we do what God has told us not to do, that the Spirit of God would convict us saying, man, don't do that anymore. That, that's a conviction. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a solid thing that God would do this for us. This is proof of our sanctification. This is proof that God loves me and you so much that he's not going to allow us to stay where we were, but he wants to take us over here. But he's got to convict us. It's that crazy feeling inside of you, like that, that angst that you sometimes have when you sin. You're just going, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't believe I did that again. That's a good thing, church. It's a bad thing when you stop having that conviction. And we've quenched the spirit of God. We don't even hear the Spirit of God. You certainly still say it, but you certainly don't hear anymore because you quench that voice so much. I pray that none of us would ever get there. That God would continue to convict me and you through his Holy Spirit. Here the Lord corrects us. Here the Lord sharpens us. It's here that the Lord is doing something. He's up to something here, something big. If we would allow his Holy Spirit to work in us here, he's trying to bring us freedom from the chains that have kept us captive. Here he's trying to bring a breakthrough to our souls. And here the Lord Jesus is trying to set the captive free. That's why we can't shake it here. God is too good for, to, to, to let us just shake this conviction here. The conviction of our sin by the Holy Spirit is proof of God's loving kindness towards me and you. That's the gospel message, church. That's the gospel of Jesus, that when we stumble and when we fall, we can run back to the Father. We don't have to keep hiding from him. We can run to him. Again, we have to remember this, especially church people have to remember this. I tell people this in in, in our church, and they they certainly get it. But sometimes as church people, we forget this, amen? Forget that I can still run back to the Lord. It's not just a one-time thing where I've gotten saved that I need to run to him. I need to run to him over and over and over and over again. We never stop running back to the Lord. David says it like this in Psalm 32. He says this. This is a beautiful verse. Psalm 32, he says this. For when I kept silent in my sin, when I didn't say anything, when I kept silent in my sin, my bones wasted away. That's pain there, church. When I, when I kept silent in my sin, when I didn't confess it, when I tried to hide it inside myself, my bones, literally that deep, dark part of me, it was just hurting me. It was, it was, it was deep, deep pain inside of me. Through my groaning all day long, for the day and nights your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up against, my my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Y'all know exactly what that is up here in Murrieta. The heat of summer just pounding on David over and over and over as he's dealing with the guilt, the weight, and the shame of his sin. And then it says this. It says this, I acknowledge my sin to you. So David has a switch here. Something happens. He was hiding it. He was, wasn't confessing. He was keeping it inside. And then he says this, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And here's the beautiful thing. He says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Do you guys see the switch there? That when we keep our sin inside ourselves, when we try and hide it, when we try and deal with it ourselves, man, I'm just dying over here. I'm not moving. There's no spiritual growth. Man, I am, in fact, I'm just withering away. But when I stop and I confess and I bring it to the Lord, then life gets breathed back into me. Real life, church. The Spirit of God, fresh and new again amongst us. And who could use some of that in their life right now? The Spirit of God just to blow into you again right now. It starts with confessing, church. And maybe you don't have a sin like David's. Maybe you didn't go out and act a fool like that, but we've, we've done some things. Or maybe you just need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit in you right now. Get low, get humble before the Lord. Watch Him breathe on you, even here today, church. Amen? Listen, when, when we sin, 
what David is really trying to point out here, our sin has a profound effect on us, deeper than I think any of us will ever know or, or really even be able to acknowledge. Sin, listen, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you there longer than you intended to stay, and cost you more than you were ever willing to pay for it. Your sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Man, my sin in my life took me, I, I couldn't even recognize, at the end of my, my, before I got saved, before the Lord came in and saved me, I couldn't even recognize myself anymore. I was like, there's, there's no way I would go over here. And not only did I find myself over here, I find myself way over here going, how in the world did this happen? And it cost me, I can't imagine, I, don't, I, I can't even begin to calculate the amount of money I spent on the kind of living that I was living. Drugs, alcohol, women, sex, whatever it was. I spent tons and tons of money over here that I never thought I would spend. And when I thought I could get myself out of it, it kept me there longer and longer and longer, longer than I ever thought I would ever stay there. That's what sin does to us, church. It robs us of our freedom. It robs us of our joy. But listen to me, it does more than that. Sin wrecks our life physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And the ramifications of our sin are greater than that. Sin kills relationships. Sin wrecks families. Sin separates from the God we love but Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. But Jesus alone can redeem us and forgive us of our sins if we run to him, church. If we run to him. And that's what David's going to start to break down here now when he says this in verse 4. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified in your word and blameless in your judgment. I hear what David is doing. He's fully owning his sin. This is me. I did this. How, how many times when we sin, we'd be like, well, if, if so-and-so wouldn't have there, I wouldn't have done that. If, if, if this wouldn't have happened, I certainly wouldn't have done that. And we can always kind of blame our sin on other things or other people around us. But here David said, no, no, no. He can't blame Uriah. He can't blame Bathsheba. He's saying, it's, it's, it's me, Lord. I have sinned. I have done these things. Here he's taking, what, what David is doing, he's, he's doing the, the biblical principle of repentance. Repentance is, is a reoccurring theme in the Bible, and repentance needs to be a reoccurring theme in our lives as well. In repentance, we rightly see the magnitude of God's holiness set against the destitute depravity of our own flesh. We see how great and glorious and holy he is, and we see just how wretched we really are. And in repentance, we run we run to him, saying, Lord, forgive me here. here. Here we rightly acknowledge our sin before the Lord. Here in repentance, it usually begins with sorrow, with remorse, with regret. Here we recognize that our behavior is wrong and that it has hurt us. It has also hurt others many, many different levels, on many different levels here. But listen, repentance is more than just saying you're sorry. How many times have you heard people say they're sorry, but they never change the way they've been acting? Like when I, when I'm in, when I was in prison over six years, and everybody in prison was sorry. Sorry they got caught. They weren't sorry for what they've done. They weren't sorry for where they, where, how the people they'd hurt. They weren't sorry for the, 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 the ramifications that were all around them for their actions. The only reason they were sorry was they got caught. So when we talk about repentance, we're not just talking about sorry. We're feeling sorry. We're not just talking about emotions here. Certainly there can be regret. Certainly there should be some emotions there. But in true biblical repentance, there is a change of mind and there is a change of affections to the, to, to the degree that our actions actually change and our, actually, our behaviors actually change as well. It's not just some little changes. But something deep inside us changes, not caused by us, but caused by the Spirit of God inside of us. That as we see our sin, and as we repent to the Lord, we say, I'm not doing that anymore. And by the power of God, I'm not turning, and I'm going this direction, and I'm never looking at that anymore. In fact, I am dead to that. That is not who I am anymore. That I'm craving Jesus, that I'm walking in a different direction. And here, David sees his sin. He sees the pro profound impact that he had on his relationship 
with the God that he loved. Now, certainly, as David says this, certainly, certainly he had sinned against some other people, right? I mean, Bathsheba, you're married to her, bro. Look, look right there. And Uriah, remember him? David, you certainly sinned against him. I mean, the, the, the dude's gone. Certainly there was some sin there. But what he's saying here, what David is seeing and what he's saying here is that when we sin, first and foremost, we sin against the Lord. And so first and foremost, that's who we need to go to first. God, God wants to put all this other stuff back together as well. But first, we need to go to him. He's the one we've sinned against. He's the one that we've, we, we, we've shaken our fist at. He's the one we need to get things right with here. Now, I've got to get going or Pastor Kerry's never going to invite me back again to, to speak here. And I'll get through these last couple of verses. Actually, he's not even here. So we can go all day. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Some of y'all are like, get this fool back in OB. We do not need this dude sticking around too much longer. No, I'm going to go through these last couple of verses a little bit faster than this. And verse 5 says this, Behold, I was bought, brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin that my mother conceived me. Now here David is reminding us of, of, of the big biblical truth that sin is not something that we do, but sin is something that we are. Me and you are sinners. We don't just sin, we are sinners. Amen? Amen. We are, that's why Jesus went to the cross, because me and you were sinners, and we could not fix ourselves. We don't just sin, but we are sinners. That's why Jesus went to the, to the cross. And listen, when, when David is saying that he was, he was born in iniquity, he's not bagging on his mom here. He's not saying it was because of her that I'm a sinner. In fact, we don't even know anything about David's mom. We know that David's father was Jesse. He was a right, righteous man, did some good things. But we don't know anything about Jesse's girl, his mom. But, but, we, we, but, we, but, but David's not bagging on his mom here. So don't, don't think it, that's what he's doing here. For all, all we know, she could have been a, a great woman. But verse 6, he's going to break this down a little bit more. And he says this in verse 6 and 7. He says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom and the secret heart, verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me ask you something, church. Do you want to be washed and cleansed here today? Again, some of y'all are on board. Some of y'all are still figuring this out. I'm asking one more time. Do you even want to be forgiven? Do you want to be made new right here, right now? Do you want Jesus to come in and breathe fresh into your spirit here and now, church? He wants to do that. And again, that's the God we serve. Amen. Amen. Verse 8 says this. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let me ask you something else, church. Who could use some joy and gladness back in their life today? Right? Joy, just the, the joy of the Lord. Lord, I've been struggling. I've been doing this. I've been doing whatever. But Lord, I need some joy. I need some gladness back in my life. And listen to me, church. It only, become, it only comes in our returning to Jesus because he is our joy. He is our gladness. We won't find it in the world out there. David knew I could look in many different places, but only in the Lord will I find joy and gladness. We won't find it in the world, and this happens only when we, we remember his true character, when we run to him, when we remember that he can forgive all of our sins. That's what blotting out my sins is. That's what David is saying. He's blot them all out. And, and the picture here is if, if this was a big blackboard up here, and every single sin you ever committed was written on it. Anybody want to share that here in church today? Right. No, there's no way, right? But think, imagine that. Here's, here's this blackboard with every sin you ever committed. And many of us, what we think is when we think blotting out that God would come up here and erase them with a, a magic eraser or whatever. But it's much, much greater than that. This blotting out word means God's going to bring some dynamite, set it under here, and blow that whole thing up. Nobody's ever going to see that again. 
It is gone. It is dealt with. It is done forever, never to be seen, never to be remembered again. That's what blotting out means, church. And that's what God does with me and you as we confess and as we repent our sins. He never brings it up again. Never. We do. How many of us struggle with that, that we ask for forgiveness and the next week come and ask for forgiveness again and we come and ask for forgiveness again and we keep bringing the same thing back to the Lord and the Lord's like saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. I forgave you for that a year ago and you're still holding on to that and you're still walking in that instead of walking in the joy and the gladness that I have for you here today. Stop running back to that church. Stop running forward. In fact, many of us haven't grown in the Lord in so long is because we keep looking backwards instead of looking forward. I keep looking back at who I used to be, what I, what I have done, instead of looking forward what God has done in me and what he has set me free to walk in. And, and listen, when, when, when many, me and you are looking backwards, how much of the stuff in front of us are we just bumping into, running over? I mean, how, how well do you drive forward by looking in your rearview mirror all the time? You're going to run over half the stuff on the road. And that's what we're doing in our Christian walk. We're always looking backwards, and we're not looking forward, and we're just making a mess of our lives. We're not, we're not walking the true freedom and the joy that the Lord has for us. Amen? can only do it when we look to him. First John 1 John 1.9, a verse that most of you know in this church, reminds us of this very thing. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if, everybody say if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All of it. You guys know what the, what, what the word all is in the Greek? You know what it means? All. <laughs> oh, I know, right? This dude went some serious college to this. It means all, church, if. It starts with that word if. If we confess our sins, what David is doing here, if we confess our sins, God is faithful. Hold on to that. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying here today, God is faithful. In fact, that could be the whole sermon. I should just stop talking right now. God is faithful. See you next week. Got a couple more things to go, but hold on. God is faithful, church. Faithful to what? To forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, most of us know this. Most of you guys have this verse memorized. Again, you have it on your wall, a coffee cup, or on an apron somewhere at your house. We know these verses, but how many of us are truly walking in these verses? That if you and I would get low, get humble, get low before the Lord and confess some things to him, then he would cleanse us. He would wash us. And we wouldn't have to keep walking in that same sorrow and pain and, and, and angst that we've been walking in. That that shame and guilt can be left at the cross. You don't have to walk in that anymore, church. You have to keep stumbling over the same thing. He is faithful and he is just to cleanse us from all our sins. Listen to me, church. I said earlier that most of us, in our sin, we hide from the Lord. But here, when we confess our sins to the Lord, here we hide in God. Do you see the difference there? That many of us, when, we're, when, we, when we sin, we hide from him. But when we confess and when we repent, we now hide in him. Right? And there's no better place for me and you to be. We just sang the song, no better place for me and you to be than in the presence of Jesus. Amen? We hide in his presence. Here and only here does God restore us. Here and only here does he cleanse our filthy hearts. And here he renews and refreshes the spirit that's in us. Verse 11 says this, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Man, there's nothing worse than being outside the presence of the Lord. Nothing. Nothing that you and I will ever see, nothing you, you and I will ever, ever encounter is worse than being outside the presence of Jesus. That's the greatest thing that you and I can ever walk in, the presence of God himself. In fact, if you look up the definition of hell, that means you're outside the presence of God. And many of us have put ourselves there because we've, not that he's moved, not that he's, he's walked away from us, but that we've moved. We've removed ourselves from his presence in our sin. 
And God is constantly inviting us back to him. In fact, our, our, our mission statement at our church is that we long to see the people of Ocean Beach transformed by the presence of Jesus. We believe it's God's presence that changes people. It's God's presence that fixes people. It's God's presence that heals people. It's God's presence that forgives people. It's God's presence that restores marriages. It's God's presence that breaks addictions. It's God's presence that brings us joy and gladness and happiness. It's in the presence of Jesus that you and I are made to be in church. It's the presence of God, church. Don't, David's saying, don't take that from me. I don't want to be there. I don't even want to experience that. Don't, don't, don't take that from me. Lastly, verse 12, David says this. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Notice whose salvation it is. It's not my salvation. It's his salvation. He did the work. He laid his life down. It's his salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold a willing spirit within me. And listen to me, church. Do you guys remember the day you got saved? Anybody remember that? The day you got, and if you don't, this isn't a trick question. Be like, oh, I don't know. Should I just, do you, do you remember the time, the moment, the, that, that moment when it just, when, when, when God moved in you? I remember it like it's a day, like, like it's yesterday. December 21st, 2007. I'm back in a jail cell for the 21st time. In and out of treatment, in and out of jail, in and out of treatment, in and out of jail. Going back to prison. That day I was going back to prison. I committed another felony. I was on parole for a felony. I committed, just, just committed another felony. Going back to prison for the third time, my life was a train wreck, a train wreck. I was jacked up as jacked up could be, had no idea who I was. I remember looking at myself in the, this little mirror, not even a, really a, a mirror in the jail going, who is this dude? Like I had these pictures, these aspirations of where my life would be as I grew older, and this was never where I thought I'd be in an orange jumpsuit in a nine-by-nine cell on a con- concrete floor, not even able to get into bed because I was just so broken and just so jacked up. No, no, real, no real future. No, no real reference of where the, really even where to turn. My mom was going to church, but I didn't grow up in the church. I had no idea I could run to the Lord. But in a moment of clarity, as the Spirit of God began to move in me, on that day, in that jail cell floor, I remember I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord Jesus, I don't know who you are, and I don't, even, I don't know who you are, and I don't even know who I am right now. But if you'll help me, I'll do anything you want me to do, anything. And church, in that moment, God invaded my heart, invaded my heart. And began to do a work in me that was, that was so radical and so changing and just still blows my mind today. Ended up going to prison for another three and a half years after that. Got mentored by an ex-Muslim in prison doing, doing life on a double murder. Who, who became a Christian after 23 years of doing life, his, his life sentence. Mentored me in the Bible, started reading the Bible to me. He's like, do you know what you're reading? I said, I have no idea. He walked me through the Bible, began to teach me. I began to, 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 to learn and to grow. And he says, Mark, you, you got a calling on your life. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to preach the word of God. And I said, man, you're out of your mind. He said, no, just watch. Two weeks later, in the prison, I'm preaching in prison. Guy, guy started moving there. Got out, got called back to Ocean Beach. I knew that was where we, we were supposed to go to reach people that were just as hopeless and as lost and as dark as I was. God called us back to Ocean Beach to plant this church. But I remember that day, church. I remember the day I got saved. But I'm not sure that that's what David is talking about here. I think what he's talking about is the moment that we realize all that God has done to us. Because when I got saved, I didn't really understand it. You guys tracking with me here? When I got saved, I I, I knew that something happened, but I didn't didn't know it. Like, again, I had no church background, so I had no real reference. But later as I started to learn and grow in the Lord, I started to put put pieces together. And I remember I was in in, in prison, I had my headphones on, listening to a pastor speak on a Christian radio station. And he started to explain all the things that God had done for me and you as he saved us. And that's when I got it. I remember I broke down on my, my bunk just going, oh, my gosh, God, you did so much for me. Jesus, you laid down your life for me? Are you kidding me? And that's when I got it. And I think that's what David is talking about here. 
because the joy in that moment was indescribable, church. The, the emotions and the overwhelming magnitude of love that I felt from the Father, it was, it was amazing. And I think that's, that's what David's saying. David, he's saying, Lord, take me back to that. Remind me again of how much you've done for me. Remind me again of your deep, deep love for me. Remind me again that you delight in me. And David's saying, I've lost it, but it take me back there. And some of y'all in this room, some of y'all need to feel that again. Maybe it's not a sin that's taking you away from it. Maybe it's just some things that you've done in your life. Maybe you just kind of walked away. Maybe you're just kind of going through the routine as you come to church, go to small group, do whatever you're doing, do, doing good things. But the joy of the Lord is gone in you. And you want that again. And you want God to speak to you again. You want to hear from him again. I pray that you would hear that today, church, that God is inviting you back to him. In fact, God is welcoming you back to him. God is saying, come to me over and over again in the Bible. The, the, the words of Jesus continue to be, come to me, come to me. All the Old Testament prophets would say the same thing. Come, let us return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. Jesus shows up and he says, just come back to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And what happens with a lot of church people is we get so busy doing good stuff, we forget the rest in the Lord. And we're busy and we're running and we're running and we're running and we're running and we're doing good stuff and we're, we're seeing lives change and praise the Lord for that, but our soul is empty and God is saying, come back to me, I need to give you rest. Maybe you just need some rest here today, church. Again, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're like here, Dave, and maybe you've blown it. Maybe you're trying to fix your own life. Maybe you're trying to put the pieces back together and you're just making a bigger mess of it. In fact, every, every time I try to fix myself, I just got worse and worse and worse. Anybody ever been there? I can fix this. I can handle this. I got this. Partner, you ain't got this. In fact, my life just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I kept ending up in jail and institutions and prison, and I kept saying, I got this. People going, man, you got nothing. Give it up to the Lord. Get down, Mark Porter. Stop thinking you got it. They're like, David, you don't got this, David. You don't got this. The beautiful thing is you don't have to carry a church. We can run to the true nature of who God is, just like we saw there. And no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you came in here with, no matter what you're dealing with right now, church, listen to me. There is no sin that is greater than the cross of Jesus Christ. No sin. No matter what you've done, no matter what you came in here with, no matter what you did five minutes before you walked in those doors, there is nothing that you and I have ever done that will scare Jesus, that he will say, no, that's too big for me. Nothing, church. Don't let that stop you from confessing. Don't let that stop you from laying some things down. Don't let that stop you from running to the Lord Jesus here and now, amen? I'm going to have the worship team come back up, I believe. We didn't even discuss this, I think. You guys got another song? There he is. Awakening Church, I, I thank you for letting me come up and yell at y'all a little bit. I'm yelling with you. I'm not yelling at you. I, I, I'm thankful for what is going on here. I'm thankful for the growth. Uh, but, but, but again, the, the thing that I am most thankful for, church, is that Jesus is here. Jesus is here, church. This God that we just spoke about that changed David and broke him and, and healed him, that Jesus is here now. Maybe now it's time you do some work with that Jesus. Maybe it's time that you get real with him. Maybe it's time that you humble yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some manly men in here. But sometimes we need to humble ourselves, church. Maybe you need prayer. I'm sure there's some people that would pray. I'm sure there's probably somebody sitting next to you right now that would love to pray for you. Let's get real, church. Let's do this. Let's let Jesus work in us. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Let's make some noise for Buck.